Good morning and welcome to worship. Would you stand if you're comfortable doing so as we begin? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 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 A redeemed, a redeemed, praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. A redeemed, a redeemed, praise the Lord. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in praise the lord praise the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord let the people rejoice all come to the father through jesus the son and give him the glory great things he hath done all perfect redemption the purchase of what to Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. 
place. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. And give him the glory, great things he has done. To God be the glory the great things he has done for each and every one of us. Let us pray. Our dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the sanctuary of love, friends, family, to hear your word, sing your praises, dear Lord. I lift up this world to you, dear Lord, for all the unjust that's going on in this world today, dear Lord. We just lift it all up to you. It's in your hands. Now I pray, dear Lord, that the rest of this service will be, a, be to your glory, your honor, and your presence, as I always felt here. And dear Lord, just lift Brother Kirby up, dear Lord, as he brings the sermon today. The words that you have prepared in his heart be like a sweet, sweet spirit in our hearts. I lift Nancy up to you, dear Lord, that the rest of this song service, those songs that she has prepared for us to sing, will be a joyful sound. And dear Lord, just pray now for all these things. You hold in precious name we pray. Amen. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Let's sing. Faith in God when 
Today is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Please follow along in the reading. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are blessed by this reading, for these are the words of the Lord. Amen.
Please bow with me in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us today to enjoy a time of singing, of worship. And I pray that on each song that has been sung, 
that each prayer that has been prayed. And the reading of your word, that Father, it would inspire and encourage. It would allow us to not only give you honor and glory, but to prepare our minds and hearts for what the scripture has to say today. And I pray that we would be hearing from your spirit. And not only hearing, but actually listening and then applying. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We continue this uh, series of messages on highlights from Hebrews. And as we do, we focus our attention on Hebrews chapter 10, which Tina read just a bit earlier. Hold on, the perseverance of faith. When I was thinking about perseverance, my mind went to a guy by the name of Ricky Bybee. Ricky Bybee was my kidney donor. When he came on the scene, I was on the um, transplant list at Shands, and he, uh, he responded to, uh, to something that he saw, and he said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm your guy. Little did we understand or realize that it was going to be 22 months going through all the different processes that he had to go through. Three different uh, institutions that uh, focus on transplants. Every time he would go, there would be 17 to 21 vials of blood taken. All kinds of obstacles. But one of the things I found about Ricky is that when, uh, when he was denied the first time because they said his kidney function was too low at that facility, we went to another facility and they scheduled a uh, transplant for uh, July of 2016. And uh, just about two or three weeks prior to that, uh, they contacted him and said, uh, your, your blood pressure is off the charts. We are canceling the surgery. He told me, he said, you know, I sat on the front porch for 30 minutes crying because obviously this facility couldn't tell me because it's anonymous even though I knew who it was. But he had to call me and tell me that everything was off. And yet he persevered more until we went to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, within just uh, about a month or so, both of us were approved. And two months, three months later, in May of 2017, the transplant took place. And I think about the perseverance, because he didn't have to do that. He could have gone through the very first one and said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. I'd had five others go through that first same process and uh, which I deeply appreciated, but they found some issue that they could not move forward. Ricky, um, he just had this belief that God had called him to do that. And he was not going to give it up until it was accomplished. To me, that's perseverance. Without perseverance, nothing else will last. You've got to persevere through every single thing that you go through, particularly in the spiritual realm as believers in Jesus Christ. We've got to persevere no matter how difficult it is. Real Christian faith perseveres. You see, faith, faith will not quit God, and the faith will not quit the visible church. We're going to talk about that with the writer of Hebrews and what he had to say about that. But I, 
I think that triumphant fortitude and steadfast endurance are the marks of a faith that lasts, that persevere. Here in the New Testament letter, the writer of Hebrews addresses Jewish Christians who were about to leave the church and return to the temple. He was addressing some who were going to leave the gospel and move back to the law. There were some who were going to move from Jesus back to Moses. And he wanted them to understand, you've got to persevere no matter how severe the persecution or the difficulties are. Don't look back. He admonishes them repeatedly, hold on. And although God holds on to us, at the same time, we must hold on to him. Hold on. Holding on begins by drawing near to God. You see, we, we live with the privilege of drawing near to God. He, he gives us that privilege. We have the ability to communicate and to hold close to the one who created all things. In the ancient world, that was not a privilege for most but only the priests. In Jesus Christ, every single believer became a priest and had direct access to God immediately. We call that the priesthood of the believer. They don't need some kind of person to confess to. We can go directly to God. We can draw near to Him, not only in the realm of salvation, but for every single need that we have in life or every single intercession that we have. We have the ability to communicate with the one who spoke creation into existence. Wow. Perseverance continues to press on toward God without ceasing for any reason. In our text today, the writer, he gives us a number of reasons on how we can draw near to God. We can draw near to God because of who we are. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, the first part, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Right up front, there are two qualities that characterize those who draw near to God. First, we draw near with a sincere heart. What is a sincere heart? Well, you know the heart is the seat of personal character. It's the, it's the seat of emotions. It's the seat of our will. We, we choose to do things. We make decisions based upon that sincerity of our heart. It's the very essence. Therefore, if we are committed to the Lord and we have committed ourselves to him and as we draw near to him, there, there can be no divided allegiance, no double-mindedness, no reservations on the part of one who has a faith in Jesus Christ and says, I have a full faith, and I can go into the presence of God. He allows us to do that at any point in time if we have a sincere heart. <coughs> we must also draw near, he says, in full assurance of faith. So he says, the first quality is a sincere heart. The second quality 
is full assurance in faith. We must eliminate any disbelief that we might have that God will accept us into his presence because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. We must not be in our mind saying, well, this is too small for us to approach God. And we must not say, well, my life is not perfect enough for me to approach God. God has his arms open wide as such. He desires us to come into his presence. And so we must go with full assurance of faith and a sincere heart and come before God. Full assurance means no reliance upon myself, upon my merit, or for my performance in order to come into the presence of God. Do you have that kind of full assurance, that sincere faith? Holding on in the critical times of life, when sometimes it seems like our lives are falling apart, other times it just seems like we have uh, issues that happen that are small, but man, they add up over the course of time. Sometimes we, we just get up and we just don't feel good. <laughs> but we have the ability no matter what is going on, to hold on, to persevere in that faith. And the first step to doing that is drawing near to God, no matter what. We also can draw near to God because of what God has done. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, the second part says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What imagery the writer's writing here. We have this direct access before God and it's given to us as a gift. And so as we draw on these images of the Old Testament, this text says there are two things that God has done to enable us to come into his presence. Number one, inwardly. Our hearts have been sprinkled. Now in the Old Testament, the Hebrew people and the priests were sprinkled with the blood of a sacrificial animal. Reflect back to Exodus chapter 24, verse 8. The scripture says that Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. Move on to Exodus 29, 21. He says, And take some uh, blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil, and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments, and on his sons and their garments. Then he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated. This idea, this imagery, the symbol of the sprinkled blood, bringing about purification, is all reflective upon what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary. You see, we have been sprinkled with that blood of Jesus Christ. It has liberated us from that bad conscience, from the guilty conscience that we might have. And so he says, come with a sincere heart. Come with the full assurance of your faith because you have been sprinkled. You have been purified. You have been cleansed. You have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And then outwardly, he talks about our very bodies having been washed with pure water. You see, God is the one who made body and soul. And God has made us fit to stand in his presence. 
God's provision should stir us mightily to press into his presence in prayer and draw near to him and not let any obstacle keep us, no matter what we have been thinking or doing or saying, he is the one that we need to go in. No matter what externally is happening to us, he is the one that desires us to be in his presence. You see, we need to hold on to the right of our access. He's given you that access through Christ. When Christ took your sins away. When he eliminated them completely. And that fellowship between the Almighty God and yourself has come back together. And it was through the mediator, Jesus Christ. So, God has done that for us. His desire is for us to come near to him. And that's not something we should take for granted. If you grew up in a Christian home, you always took him for granted. Well, we just we go to the Lord in prayer. However you, you do it, you, and sometimes they're just rope prayers. When we were little children, we memorized certain prayers. Not sure they were meaningful, but we were learning them. And as we grew up, we began to understand what the words meant. But if we've been doing this all of our lives, sometimes we just take it for granted. But we shouldn't because there was a time in your life when you could not have access to God through Jesus Christ because you had rejected him. But when you gave your life to him, it changed everything. And you have all access. So holding on means drawing near to God. Secondly, we find that holding on continues by holding on to our hope. Because we are held, we must hold on. Verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us hold unswervingly. Hope is faith looking forward. When we have hope, we have a faith that it's going to get better in the future. When we have hope, we believe that, that just beyond, just beyond this darkness is the light of the horizon. When we have hope, we believe that God is going to take us from the shadows where we are, and he's going to take care of us. We have that hope. You all know that the life of faith is difficult. The objects of our faith, they're in the future. They're invisible. The risen Christ, the throne of God, the resurrection of our bodies, all of these belong to the unseen and a future time. And so when we approach them and we embrace Christ, we have that relationship with, with, with Christ. We have that access to God. We are taking what he has promised through hope. And it's a hope that has a faith-based certainty about it. That all of these things have happened or are going to happen. Faith holds on to hope 
no matter, no matter how hard it is. You have probably encountered a time in your life when you just felt hopeless. And if you haven't, you're a blessed person. But a time when you were struggling because of maybe a family relationship or, or maybe you had lost a family member. And maybe you just didn't want to move forward. You just couldn't hardly think about the next day. The sleeplessness. The discouragement. The wanting to throw in the towel and walk away. But I'll tell you what, no matter how hard it is, we must hold on to the hope that he promises. We hold on because we are faithfully held. That's why we can hold on no matter how dark it is. In verse 23 he says, for he who promised is faithful. The promise of God, the one who is the creator, is faithful. You can trust him. 1 Corinthians 1.9, Paul says, God is faithful. Our faithfulness does not depend on our own fickleness or our own faithlessness. You see, for God to break his promise is contradictive to his very nature. Because he holds on to us, we must hold on to the hope that he gives we must persevere in faith. Let me tell you this. If he is that faithful that he promises everything, then so must I. I must be faithful to him. We must be faithful to him. Third, we find that holding on bears the fruit of mutual encouragement. There is nothing more important than encouragement for us during challenging times or during the best of times. Don't you like to receive a, a thank you card in the, in the mail or don't you like to receive somebody saying I just thank you for this or I'm thinking of you or I'm praying for you. Encouragement is so important. As we come into the body of Christ as the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians and he, he's trying to get them to understand that we've got to hold on no matter how difficult life is, no matter how difficult, how, how difficult faith is, we must hold on by drawing near to God. And at the same time, we're to hold on because of what we have in God, what he has done for us. That he is the one, no matter what, he's going to take care of us because he has given us that promise of hope. Then he turns and he says, but I want you to understand that there must be encouragement. We encourage each other individually. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the scripture says, let us consider how we may spur one another onward and forward to love and good deeds. Sometimes that's challenging, other times it's not. It depends on who you are. When we think about encouragement, sometimes we just think about patting somebody on the back, say, good job. 
But sometimes in the church, there is that great possibility rather to be encouraging is to be discouraging. Made to be negative about things that where you could be encouraging. And so you discourage believers in Christ rather than to encourage them. Your words don't speak an encouragement to them. And that's, that's not what God wants. He doesn't want negativity. He doesn't want you to, to push somebody down. Here he's saying you need to encourage each other individually. He says, let us in consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a different take. We're consistently and continually to prod one another in the ministry of loving confrontation. Because sometimes we think of encouragement as just saying the good things but not the hard good things. Loving conf uh, confrontation is not judgment. It is not conflict. It is not in anger. It is not in criticism. It is not in rebuke. There is a concept of Iron sharpening iron. And that concept is that we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we give that, that spur to one another to say, man, I tell you what, here's some things that you could probably, probably think about to do that, are, that would benefit so many people. And, and here's how I can come beside you and help you to do that. Sometimes when somebody comes to us like that, all of a sudden our defenses go up. And all of a sudden we have a confrontation that is not based upon loving one another, but it's based on the fact of, well, somebody's attacking me. Well, that's the wrong attitude. So we all have to understand the right attitude. If we have the hope of Christ in us, and we have the love of Christ in us, then what the writer says is we're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We're to encourage one another. <laughs> I'll tell you what, literally this says we're to lay our minds down on one another. What we're thinking that are positive are the possibilities. If, if somebody has the potential to do things for the kingdom. And maybe they're not doing them as they committed to do before because when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we committed to the ministry of reconciliation. And we committed ourselves to do all that God can do through us. That was what our commitment was. And when we see that maybe somebody has more giftedness or, or more potential the idea is to come and say you know what here's what I see in you here's what I see that God can do through you and let me come beside and help you let me encourage you I'll walk with you through this but let's move forward 
That's laying our mind on another. How does that happen? Well, we observe. And we mark down and write down how to encourage each other in a positive, constructive way. Not tearing them down. Not saying, man, that was a dumb thing that you did. <laughs> or, man, I, I certainly could have done that better. As the body of Christ, as believers in Jesus Christ, it is God's desire for us to edify, to lovingly encourage, to spur one another on, to fulfill what God has gifted them to do. That's part of the idea of the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. To give them the tools necessary to see the value in them. To, to come beside and say, man, I tell you what, this is what, what we did this time. And I tell you what, maybe we could, maybe we, together, we could come and do this a different way. And the person, the person who's being told that has got to come to this understanding that I'm being edified and encouraged. And I'm not being put down. But what I'm... What someone is doing for me is to try to help me and help me to go to the next step. Because what I really want is I want, I want God to use me. Is that not what we want? We, I, I hope that we certainly just don't want God to say, hey, I just want you here on Sunday morning, 1030, and then you're free the rest of the week. Because that's not what his desire is. We are to give our entire lives to him. Let me tell you, the quality of our encouragement is expressed by a tremendously energetic word that the writer uses. He says, prod or spur one. Spur one another. It suggests a, a positive reinforcement to the follower to fulfill what they committed to do. The goal of our encouragement is to do good works, to show love and to do good works. I have to positively push forward in you the desire of the deeds that are winsome and that are attractive to others. When I say I, each one of us are supposed to do that. I was behind, uh, I was behind at Sam's Club, uh, I think it was Friday, a guy in an uh, electric wheelchair, he was waiting for, for, his, uh, for his food at the food counter. And uh, I was watching him, and all of a sudden, he asked the cashier behind the counter, he said, would you take off your glove? And I thought, Oh, well, this could get interesting. <laughs> and the cashier looked at him. It was an older gentleman. He looked at him, just kind of confused, and he said, would you take off your, your, your plastic glove? And, and so the gentleman did. And the man in that electric wheelchair reached his hand over, and he shook the hand of the clerk. And he said, sir, last time I was in here, 
I said some things to you that I shouldn't have said because I was frustrated. And I want to apologize to you. It was all my fault. And I want to apologize to you because it's not the Christian thing to do. Wow. I'll tell you what, that spoke to me. I told the cashier after the gentleman left, I said, now, I'll tell you what, that raises the level for all of us, doesn't it, as Christians? And then I went over and talked to that gentleman. I said, man, you just gave the greatest example. You know why? Because that cashier, while I was next in line there waiting, all he could do was stare at that guy after he left, like, I'm trying to figure out what just happened. <laughs> that gentleman spurred me on because of what I saw to say, man, I need to raise the bar. I need to be careful of what I say, what I, what, how I talk to people. I need to make sure that, that when I'm approaching things, I'm approaching people with the mind of Christ. That's what he does, his desire is. Not only are we to encourage one another with that Christ-like attitude and positive reinforcement, but we are to encourage one another in church. The 25th verse of Hebrews 25 is pretty well known. Let us not give up meeting together, but encouraging one another. Why do you come to church? Well, a lot of people say, well, I come to church, so what I get out of it? And the fact of the matter is that it really has less to do with what you get out of it. It's not the right reason. Rather, your presence in the gathering of the people of God is encouraging to one another. Believe it or not, when you are here, you are encouraging other believers. We come together, as the writer says here, don't give up meeting together. Why is that? Because it's encouraging. Some were abandoning the fellowship. The writer is addressing that. And the effect was discouragement to that congregation or those Jewish congregations. You think you're not missed when you're not here? Somebody's missing you. And it's discouraging. And what are we to do? The writer tells us that we're to encourage one another. Not only verbally, but, but with our presence. With us being engaged. Not just in a morning worship service, but engaged as the assembly of the gathered ones in everything that we do as the body of Christ. Periodically I get the question, Pastor, with so much evil in the world these days, Are we in the latter days? The last two weeks I've had a more of an uptick on that, as you can imagine. And the reality is, yes, we're closer than we've ever been. But while acknowledging this, the study and the looking forward to the day of the Lord, the most important thing that we can do 
is remember that the Christian lives all of life under the aspect of the coming day. You see, the word, the logos, he connects your presence at God's house, your faithfulness to encourage one another, and your willingness to share the hope of Jesus Christ in those face-to-face encounters will be remembered when we meet our Heavenly Father face-to-face one day. So yes, we are certainly heading to the last days. But for the Christian, the most important thing that you need to remember is that you've been living that your entire life. And we are speeding that direction. But more importantly than anything else, you're going to see the Lord face to face. And what are you going to say? How faithful and committed have you been when we focus upon encouraging one another? Here in the community to see the light, how faithful. Father, we come into our time of invitation. And you have called upon us to persevere in your presence with the people of God to encourage, to give hope, to spur each other on so that we might be the very best for you and the kingdom because the days are closing quick and the end will come. And while as believers we will be fine, there are so many that aren't. And while we may have been faithful in striving to fill our full potential of what you have called us and desired us to do, there may be some others that haven't, and and we're to encourage them along the way. And Father, I I ask that when we have that face-to-face encounter, that we will be able to offer everything at your feet. And we'll hear those words, well done. And so, Father, whatever desire and decision we need to make today to get us in the place where you want us to be, I pray that you would speak to us. And everyone in this worship center would make the adjustments. And the adjustments may be private or public, but God... Most importantly, they are adjustments to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for our invitation as God leads you? You come, please.
be seated if you would, okay? This morning we have a, uh, a guest who is going to be sharing some information about Benavia. Benavia is, uh, uh, was started back in the 60s, I believe it was, uh, by area ministers laying the foundation for trying to reach out into the community of Sun Cities and ultimately Sun City West uh, and other areas to minister to those who physically and then otherwise needed help. And over the course of time, it came too, many, too much for the, uh, for the ministers uh, as, a, as a group and the volunteers and, uh, and it became a nonprofit. And it's one that we uh, partner with in a lot of different areas. But I want to hear, I want you to hear a little bit about, uh, about their ministry. And today Cliff uh, Yoder is with us and his wife Lori. Uh, he has been with, uh, with Benavia for about a year and a half. Prior to that he was a business owner for lots of years. Uh, I don't know, 25, 30, 35 years, something like that. You don't look that old, but uh, started when he was young. But uh, uh, God used him in a, in, a, in a great way. And then in, uh, at, uh, at one of the, uh, uh, the larger satellites, churches in our area served on staff there in a, different, a number of different positions as well. So we are glad to have Cliff. And Cliff, wonder if you might come up to the, the platform and share. And I think you have a presentation. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. I'm, uh, Gail, my apologies. Come if you would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our medical, volunteer medical team has requested that we have a clip with us today. So if you would share a little bit about how that came about. I just quickly wanted to tell all of you um, how we came about knowing Cliff and about Benavia. Our volunteer medical team has been focused on um, trying to connect the needs within our church family with the resources out there. And so we became aware of Benavia and uh, Cliff invited our team for a tour of Benavia. And uh, each of us came away from there um, absolutely amazed at what they do, but more importantly, who they are and how caring and loving they are there. It, as soon as you walk in the door, you know that um, you're home and you're loved and you're cared for. They have a whole host of um, wonderful opportunities that they offer there and a lot of great re resources for anybody, for all of us. Um, we, they have, we had one of our uh, congregation who has since moved away, but she participated in their um, Rock Steady Boxing, which is offered at their benefit, uh, Benefitness Center, and that is designed for Parkinson's patients, and it has had some amazing results, and she was very happy with it. She, I asked her about it, she said, I love it. And she actually increased the number of days she was going because she had such good results. So um, I just wanted to reiterate what a wonderful place it is. They had invited me back at one point to see if um, I could give them some idea of how they could better serve our, our church family. And so at that point, we decided it might be best if Cliff could come and just share with you all some of the things that they do have, the opportunities they have there. So I'll just let Chris tell you more about it. Thank you so much for that introduction. I uh, 
was sitting over there in the front row and I was kind of worried God didn't know who was there, so I'm glad you let him know that it was Cliff sitting over there. It's been a while since I've sat in the front row. It's awesome. But I'm honored to be here today to represent Benavia here. You guys have supported us for over 23 years. Just last year, you hosted our Caregiver Connect um, Day, which is provided support and resources to caregivers from across the West Valley that came to that day. But I want to tell you who Benavia is, how we serve this community, but most importantly, why we do it. And as you know, we were started four pastors over 40 years ago. Um, we have a lot of different programs, and I can't get into all of them, but I want to explain to you um, about one of our day adult day programs. So we call them life enrichment programs. We serve in four different areas, Surprise and City. Uh, we have one in, in Peoria. We serve a lot of adults that have early or later stage dementia, Parkinson's, um, maybe a stroke victim, and the results are amazing. Um, what we do is we support the caregiver because the caregiver with no support system, over 65% of the time, will decline past the level of the one that they're caring for. So we do this with our, with our um, day program so they can bring them, get a respite, and get that time for themselves that they need. One of our programs is for adults 18 years and above with an intellectual or a developmental disability. We take those adults and try to get them hired at Chick-fil-A, Grandview Terrace. They earn a paycheck that is theirs. When they get that check, the smile that they have on their face, it'll melt your heart. One of our programs um, in our Sun City location has an intergenerational program that we bring our kids from our daycare that's from the area. This daycare is a quality daycare in a depressed area. We take those kids, bring them in, they begin, our adult members become grandpas and grandmas to those kids. They do arts and crafts. They garden together. Kids learn what a vegetable is, where it's grown, where it comes from. It's amazing. Another resource that you guys could really take advantage of is our CARES program. The CARES program is basically a hotline for resources and recommendations for all of you and your neighbors. <coughs> Maybe even a single mom that has some kids and needs to get connected to some financial aid. We answer all kinds of questions and give out all kinds of resources. Our home services department, that's what we started with. 40 years ago, we started doing grocery shopping, taking people to the doctor. We still do that. All, that is all free, all done by volunteers. Now, we're not perfect. We can't take care of all the needs in the West Valley. But we sure try. We have some dedicated volunteers that are so dedicated and love the people they serve. Our newest program is that of Benefitness. And that gym has produced some amazing results. We've got an 88-year-old woman that goes in there and punches our heavy bags. I'm going to tell you, she scares me a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I will not mess with her not mess with her at all but that's kind of some of what we do everything's available on our website 
Um, you can look it up a little bit more. But what I want to show you is the people. And these people that are in this picture, sorry, this is why we do what we do. This is the why. It's for people like this. These three ladies in that picture started bringing their, their husbands about a year ago to Benefitness. They finally got them out. Um, the guy on the right, Jerry, he would not get off the couch during the day. He had to be transported by his wife in a wheelchair. He started coming. He became a character. He is the most mischievous, flirty guy you have ever met. Um, and his wife is just fine because he's happy. And he went from a wheelchair to a walker to a cane. And it is amazing. But what is so special about these women, about these caregivers? I thought I knew what love was when I asked my wife to marry me. I was a 21-year-old kid. I was so naive. I said, if you're going to be in a wheelchair the rest of your life, I want to be the one to push you. Yeah, it's pretty good, huh? It's not bad. <laughs> Um, I didn't know it at the time. So this next picture, Ron, his wife, along with these three ladies, they, they have taught me what love is. Love is caring for somebody like Christ did with nothing expected in return, very little in return, but they care for their spouses like you can't believe. It's a love that I hope to show my wife and my kids someday. Ron here. He's in our life, one of our life enrichment programs. His wife comes in with a big smile on her face every day, brings him five days a week. She loves this man. He's famous. He's a Marine. He went into the intelligence community. He went into NCIS before it was a TV show that's on every channel now, I think. Um, but he was training and recruiting double agent spies in Europe, all over Europe and he caught a spy that had been selling secrets for eight years, helped to prosecute him. The guy is famous, but what he's, what he's famous for to us is he sings karaoke, Elvis, Neil Diamond, and he loves it. And I tell you what, society really doesn't have a lot of heart and a lot of care for the people that we serve, but we do. That's what Benavia is. Benavia means good home and when we care for people we care for them like you're our family because that guy's part of my family i love that guy i love his wife our staff that work with them every day they get so connected what i want you to know is when you bring somebody to us we're going to care for them as well as just like you're they're our family we're going to take care of them and love them. We've got a Caregiver Connect um, coming up this Friday. It's at Bellevue Church from 9 to 1. We'd love to see you there. A lot of great resources for everybody, um, much like we did when we had it here. Now, how do you get involved? How do you help us? You can, of course, financially help us above and beyond your tithe here and offering. But being a volunteer or being a vocal advocate for us, telling your friends and neighbors, you all know somebody that can need some of our services, somebody that needs a little bit of help. Because what happened to these three ladies and Ron's wife, they thought they were all alone. They thought nobody else is dealing with what I'm dealing with. They had no hope. 
What they have now is hope. They tell me they actually have hope now for a life because their spouses are more involved, they have become socialized, and they're getting stronger with the programs that we do. So what I want you to tell them is that there's a place, there's an agency that is here for them. We want to be here. We want to be family. We want to love on those people. That's what we do. That's all that we want to do is serve people the way Christ loved us and served us without thinking about themselves. We just want to serve these people. So hear my heart when I say that. You could give us all the money in the world, but what we want you to do is tell other people that need some of our services because we don't want anybody alone in this community. We don't want you to go through life, and I know you're in a church, but maybe your neighbors need some support, even in churches. I know when I was a pastor, I had 375 volunteers. I couldn't meet their needs. None of We couldn't meet all those needs. That's why Benavia exists. I thank you for your time and your consideration and if you would like a tour grab a couple friends call our main office ask for me cliff yoder and we would love to show you the impact that we have on the community thank you very much thank you so much cliff i invite you to take your bulletin there are a number of things to be aware of and involved in I want to spend the time reading those or referring to them, but I encourage you to use that bulletin, put it at a place where you will see it throughout the week and get involved. As Wilma Jackson is making her way to the platform to lead us in our closing prayer, I invite us to stand. And I hope you have a wonderful week in the Lord. Would you stand as she comes? Would you please bow with me as we pray this morning? Lord, we can't do anything but say thank you. Thank you. We've learned how to press on. We've learned how to hold on. And then, Lord, more than that, you've allowed us to be here together for a purpose. Lord, we realize that our lives change in the twinkling of an eye. But, Lord, we don't want to take anything for granted. Lord, we thank you for the presentation from Benavilia with Cliff, Lord, and who knows, maybe one of us would have to be there. Thank you for that, Lord. But thank you for the care and the love that you showed us, Lord. Help us to show it to others, Lord. So this morning, Lord, as we've heard, we certainly want to be doers of your word, Lord, not just hearers. Help us to do what we already know to do. So, Lord, we're going to say and ask, and now unto him that can do exceedingly abundantly all that we ever think of. In Christ's power, amen. Amen. amen.